Hello and welcome to the Cafe Hustle podcast with me, Andy Jones, and today I am talking to James Gray, founder of Barista & Co. And our focus today is about people and how we operate our businesses and treat our people. And in fact, in this episode, we talk about different ways that we can approach the structure in our business. And it's really, like I say, it's really insightful, this conversation with James around the challenges. But in particular we're going to talk about their philosophy when it comes to their people and the interaction with their customers and the community and how they operate no hierarchy at barista and co across their people and the challenges that that brings but also and you'll you'll listen to that as we get into the episode the benefits that you can see as a business coming from like you know the traditional structure and that how it creates what we call a parent-child relationship you break that dependent structure down and people can start to think more independently and start to push the business from their point of view not just driven from senior leaders so yeah so we're going to get into this episode first part of it anyway second part is coming on friday where we're going to be talking about barista and co social which is a bit of a switch up to the traditional office space so james is going to talk us more about or talk to us more about that and also the wholesale side and working with individual businesses but that's coming on friday but anyway yeah without further ado let's get into this episode after we get back from thanking our sponsor I'm so proud that we've been able to partner with Road to Cloud and that they support what we do here at the Cafe Hustle. But I want to talk about one of my favorite features about Road to Cloud, and it's that ability to highlight your weekly labor costs and combine that with your sales forecast. It's a really great insight that allows you to plan your schedule and control your percentages. To find out more, head to thecafehustle.com forward slash Road to Cloud and grab your 30-day free trial. So James, thank you so much for joining me on the Cafe Hustle. How are you? Very well indeed. Yourself? I am very well. I know we've uh, we were just talking before we started recording that you're currently in the Netherlands and it's bright blue skies where I'm sitting here in the Isle of Man and it's absolutely tipping down. So, yeah. yeah you win some, you lose some. Eh? <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> hey, equally a windy place, equally as windy as the Isle of Man. Or it can be anyway out there. But I suppose you're from, you're from the northeast of England, so you know it's... Uh, even yeah, up there, well, it's not you know, always sunshine and rainbows. It's definitely not. I mean, I'm from the northeast of England. Ironically, now I live as far south as you can probably get because I live on the south coast near Bournemouth. <laughs> but um, that was a it was a decision that was taken after a couple of glasses of wine with my wife, and we tossed a coin. And we were living in London at the time, and thought, where do we want to be? We want to be by the sea, and she won, and it landed on her side. So we uh, we put the house on the market three days later, and we moved we moved down to the south coast three months later so that was that a hey, typical entrepreneurs you see quick making <laughs> decisions quick action it's what it takes <laughs> yeah exactly so i want to get to know a bit more about you and and particularly on the cafe also it's a very strong link to our purposes and our mission and what we do our jobs for whatever that is so tell us a bit about more about what your purpose is it's a really good question. And actually, I've, I've thought about this quite a lot in recent times. And I think my purpose has changed as I've got older. And I, I often think about, like, what is it that really drives me? What is my purpose? And the, uh, that question. And sometimes I'll sit and think about it again. And I think the crux of it is that as time has gone on and I've got older and my family life has changed, namely I've got children, um, my drivers have definitely changed. And when I was younger, I think it was driven by success. 
Um, you know, I've always been entrepreneurial and I always wanted to win. So success was really important for me. When I say success, that wasn't necessarily financial. It was actually just being the best I could possibly be and winning in anything that I did. Um, so that was always a massive driver for me. Um, I think now, really, my family are a driver on a personal level. Obviously, it's slightly different when we move into the commercial world on a business level. But if you get down to the kind of caveman things, ultimately, you know, I want to create something that that I'm proud of, my family are proud of, and I offer them security and, you know, and hopefully some something I can pass on potentially as, you know, time goes on. Um, so, you know, and then I think when you look at the kind of my purpose as well beyond that, I mentioned family and, you know, obviously friends as well would come into that. And I think at a business level, but it's certainly a driver for me personally, it goes beyond that. It goes about delivering some really important, positive, you know, um, experiences for our customers and not just customers, also our community. Um, for me, you know, the fact that we've got customers, I'm really proud of and I'm really grateful for. But equally, I'm also really driven and by the fact and trying to grow the community that we've got. And not all of that community have actually purchased from us. And that's absolutely fine. So I'm really driven to try and, you know, create a community that's welcoming, that is open to all, and there's no stupid questions. So how how do you balance certainly the, the two sides of your your personal mission and your personal purpose and the commercial purpose? How do you strike that balance? Because I know certainly as entrepreneurs, it's very difficult to, especially when we're so passionate about the business side that we're working on, it's very easy to forget the family side, isn't it? And, and our life outside the business. How do you find balance in those two? Badly, I balance it badly <laughs> is the truth. Um, you know, I try my best on it, but, um, I, you know, I'll always be there for my kids and my family. I think that's really important to me. But, you know, I, I probably would be fair to say that in the last nine years, or certainly since I set up my business, I, I've worked every single day. Um, whether I've been on holiday, I'm not proud of this. I should know at that point. I don't necessarily yeah. say this has been a positive thing. It's in my personality that I'm, I'm, you know, I always want to be on it, as you may say. And I find it quite hard to put things down. Mm -hmm. um, that's part of my personality. So I'd, I think I've had to work, certainly as my children are starting to grow up and when I first had children, um, that I, I've had to work on that piece, actually. And sometimes I think as an entrepreneur, you can be selfish. And actually, sometimes you have to be to get to where you need to be. Yeah. But I think as you get a little bit older and time goes on and security is a bit better, then I think you start to rebalance and you start to realize, actually, I do need to, I need to be putting more time into the things that I might never see again. Um, you know, and for me, it's important to see my kids grow. So I actively, you know, every weekend now, I dedicate time to my family. That's really important to me. During the week, I'm all guns blazing. Yeah. Um, do I still work a little bit at the weekend? Yeah, I do. Um, but I, you know, I try to do the simple things that everybody tells you to do, you know, go in the house, put your phone in a drawer. Don't constantly be on it. Don't have it beside your bed. I'm awful for that. First thing I do every morning is look at my emails, but <laughs> I'm trying to work away from it. You know, yeah. um, it's, it, it's really hard, but the balance also comes back to another point. And I mentioned all those things for me, those things aren't a hardship. I enjoy it. So, yeah. you know, do I get up in the morning and read an email that can set you off in a little bit of a bad mood because it isn't what you wanted to see? Of course, you know, I'm human. However, um, as I've got older and again, a little bit with experience, I've realized that, 
you know, certain things are not as bad as they often seem at the time. So I don't get really phased anymore. So really it's just trying to have a little bit of control. I also find what works really well for me personally is, um, is kind of dedicating specific time and laying it out over a week. So I am quite planned in that process. And it sounds, you know, a little bit too planned, but it works for me. You know, I'll even set aside half an hour every day where I'm going to learn about something that I don't know. I'm on Skillshare or something like that. I'm terrible at photography, but I'm I'm working on it. (laughs) Um, So for me, it's just about laying out time. And I treat personal time in the same way I treat work time. I make sure it's it's in my diary and I know when I'm doing it. Yeah, it's really important. I know a lot of times when I speak to people, it's, and certainly when they're trying to get on top of their time management is having that repeatable weekly schedule. And don't get me wrong, 60% of the time, yes, you're on schedule and there's a lot of stuff you have to react to. But by having that initially, it gets you in that routine, doesn't it? Of, of I've got to do this at this time. And then as you get a handle on it, you can be a little bit more flexible with it. Absolutely. I'd say everything we do, isn't it? If you look at a business or whether it's business personal, you've got to have a plan. Um, And if you don't have a plan and you succeed, you got lucky. That's fair enough. Um, But you've got a greater possibility of succeeding if you have got a plan. Um, So, you know, you you have to do it. I'm not, again, I make it sound like I'm perfect in my planning. I think if my wife was on this as well, she would say some very different (laughs) things to what I've just said right now. But I think she's seen me improve. Let's just say that. Which is, which is all part of the process. I just want to touch on what we were talking on the balance and it's probably, and this is between your, your business and the personal life or your leisure time is looking at it, not necessarily as a balance, because it's really hard to create a balance between the two, but look at them in cycles. So you're going to have times where the business is really busy and you need to dedicate six, seven days a week to them, but then you can't sustain that long term. You've then got to come out and, and again, the, the shift has to go the other way and the, into another cycle where there's a little bit more focus on the family time. And that's really, I think when we talk about balance, sometimes you can actually confuse people and they're trying to strike a literal balance between the two. That's never yeah. quite as easy as that. So, oh, yeah. right. Yeah. So your journey then into starting the business, what were you doing before? What was your career? What did your career look like before you started the business? varied it would be fair to say <laughs> um it, it, I, it, I kind of it, i had a really interesting start in my career if i'm honest with you because I'd, I'd studied economics at university um and and at one time i was thinking about going into banking but i'd always had kind of more of a sales side a creative side so i decided to go off and do an ma a master's in uh, marketing and leads and when i was there i saw a job i'd always i saw a job come up in uh, beverages and I'd always worked in hospitality as a kid so from the age of 15 cash in hand you know working as pot wash and cutting the bread in kitchens type of thing um so I was used to being in that hospitality environment you know and and I'd and I really enjoyed it I really and I still love that you know that environment um I saw a job come up with a company called Allied Demec and at the time they were the second biggest drinks company in the world second to Diageo they don't exist anymore actually they were set sold off various portions of it um and i think i had the best job in the world so at 23 years old i was allowed i was part of what was called the balance team and we had to sell uh top end spirits to bars and restaurants um and basically if they didn't want to buy them we were allowed to just give them to them so you know my job was about going out at weekends and making sure that people were using our product and things like that so 
as a 23 year old, it's pretty good fun. But joking apart, it also gave me access and knowledge of how big businesses work. Um, and you know, that was re obviously I was very young, so I wasn't, you know, high up the chain, as you may say, but it was insightful specifically around marketing. And, you know, I, I talked about, I had to go out every weekend. I did. I actually had to go into bars and restaurants every weekend and I would be monitoring how people were engaging with each other, what they were doing at the bar, were they inwardly focused talking to each other, were they outwardly focused? Outwardly focused was usually generally men looking outward with <laughs> everybody walking through the door, <laughs> um, shall we say. Um, but, but you know, ultimately it, it did have a purpose. The purpose was to see how customers are actually engaging in this environment. Um, so that was quite, you know, an interesting thing. Um, I really enjoyed the drinks industry. So from there, I'd always had that entrepreneurial spirit and I decided to set up on my own. So I was representing spirit brands and I was also running event bars at big events. Um, so, you know, like the festivals and so on. And we, I did that for a few years and it was great fun. Uh, it was extremely hard work. I was definitely naive. Um, so we lost a few quid along the way. We made a few as well. Um, but it became pretty clear that we just didn't have the infrastructure, the structure to make that into a, a, a business. And if I'm absolutely honest with you, I also got to a point where I didn't really enjoy that. And, and that's always a big driver, I think, as an entrepreneur, is that if you're not enjoying it, it's probably not going to succeed. So I made a decision to get out of that. And then I, um, I, from there, I moved to London. And when I moved to London, I worked again back into beverages, but this time soft drinks. So I was working for a startup in London that was a vitamin water company. Uh, they were acquired by Pepsi, and then it was time for me to move on. Um, and then I worked again in the retail sector, so I was in housewares. And that led me to go and work for a company called Joseph Joseph, who are now a very large company. At the time, not. It was right. a very small, small number of us. So, yeah, and that, that, that was really what brought me to where I am today. Because with that company, it grew massively. It was a huge learning curve. It was really insightful. Learned a huge amount along the way. But also, I was responsible for the sales. So I was traveling the world. Um, I was, you know, in Asia and in Australia and everywhere across the world, dealing with their sales and working with all of the major retailers. Um, and I did that for a good number of years and really enjoyed it. And then I was off, and I'd always, I should note, I'd always loved coffee. So as part of that process, I would, ever, whenever I was away, I would be visiting coffee shops. So I think over a four or five year period, I visited about a hundred different coffee shops in <laughs> cities all over the world. And it was incredible because what, you know, how it, you would see things in Korea or Japan were very different, you know, walking into an amazing coffee shop in Korea where there's a DJ playing and it's like this lifestyle experience was amazing. And then because of that passion for coffee, um, I was talking to somebody and they mentioned that there was a brand that wanted a distributor in the UK. And obviously I had a lot of retail connections in the UK market. And that brand was called Bialetti, which is a heritage brand in, in Italy. And I took the distribution, decided to work on it. So, um, you know, I, I became the exclusive distributor for that brand. And actually I still am. So it's the, I have my own brand. That's the only brand that I still have as a distribution in retail. 
It takes so long to manually create your schedules in your cafe or coffee shop. And then on top of that, people can't make those shifts or on particular days off. It then takes you twice the time to go back and update before sending it back to your team and essentially doing the work again and bumping into more problems. Road to Cloud with its dedicated scheduling feature gives you the power to quickly create and alter your team's schedule in seconds, all with your team members' availability at your fingertips. If you need to transform how you're scheduling your people, head over to thecafehustle.com forward slash road to cloud and sign up for your 30-day free trial. It's uh, I've touched on something you said there when you you know looking in well in the venues and you ex- watching the behavior of people. It's one of the a really great skill that certainly business owners should practice more of because by doing that you're able to see what's working and what isn't from more of a customer point of view and I know certainly uh, we've spoken about it a bit on the podcast about how you go through that customer journey and observing your customers is a big part of that and you'll learn a lot from it completely and you know what's really interesting about that point is I read a lot and I listen to a lot of podcasts as well and I've noticed over time with some really interesting interviews, there's one thing that comes down to it, it is the focus, absolute focus on the customer. Yeah. And, you know, I read something about a, a guy who set up a shoe company and he made a point in it, which whether I agree or disagree was a really valid point. And he said, you know, I could have set up anything, but it was the focus I had on that customer that we were going to deliver the best possible product for that customer. And in a way, the fact that I was doing shoes was almost irrelevant. Yeah. Um, it was the absolute focus. And I think it's so important. And I think when you're in a sector, you can often lose sight of it as well because you know everything in that sector, but you forget the fact that the customer, Joe Bloggs on the street, doesn't. Yeah. And that's critical, I think. Yeah. Now, on the subject of people, we're going to talk about your, as a, as a business, your philosophy when it comes to your people. So just mm-hmm. tell us a bit more about how, how you treat your people, basically. I've always been a believer in allowing people to go out there, give them, they have to own what they do. And, you know, when I think about what we do, when people come into the company as well, I think it's really important that it's a really simple ethos. You, you bring people into the business who are a hell of a lot better than you at that thing. Um, if you're not doing that, you're completely wasting your time. Yeah. Uh, and there's another part of it is you either bring people in who are a hell of a lot better than you and immediately, or you see what their capabilities are. So, you know, for example, in our business, we've got a a product design manager who joined us when he was an intern. And you could see straight away that he was really, really capable. He could do things and he was going to be amazing in the future. And it just needed training. So even though he wasn't ready to fly straight away, you could see that. And as a business, we've always tried, we always strive to bring in the best possible people into that role. And it works both ways. Sometimes we will see that we're not right for them. And in an interview level, we would be open and honest because I think the days of being, I'm your employer and you are the employee, they're gone. Like, you know, ultimately we're in a partnership here. And if we can work together, you're happy. You know, we want everybody to be as happy as possible because ultimately we know that it makes the business work better. Um, And that's always been something that's important to us. I think also, you know, it's about creating a space that's creative. You want to push people. You want to, you, I mean, everybody says this, but genuinely we want mistakes 
in areas. Like there's certain areas you can't allow that to happen because we're running a business. But if we're trying creative things, you know, if we're looking at which ads are working or, you know, the tone of voice or things like this, we want to, we want to make mistakes. Um, and, you know, and that's always really important to us because if we're not making a few, we're just not pushing hard enough. Um, and, you know, we've made a lot of mistakes. We've done campaigns that have bombed, you know, all of these things. But it's been part of the learning curve. But going back to the point is those mistakes, it's about the person having ownership of saying, I did make a mistake here. I messed up. This is what we're going to do next time. Yeah. Um, and that's really important for us. And that's why we always kind of, you heard me say a little bit earlier, I really believe in just like giving people guidance and then letting them fly. Yeah. It's really important from a cultural point of view is that we have our team, the team that we have are able to tell us when they've made a mistake as well. The last thing we need is them for fear of being punished or anything that they don't, tell us that the mistakes have happened and they try and hide them from you in to a certain extent. And it's not great one from a business point of view, but also from a trust relationship point of view with our, with our teams. It's, but like you say, it, it helps then that we take ownership and we allow them to take ownership. And I suppose a big part of that is you don't, you have, you operate a no hierarchy basically, or yeah. what is close to that. Just tell me a bit about that and how that works from a business point of view. Um, it goes back to that ownership level and having trust in your team. And I think if you have that trust in your team, you, you need a support mechanism. And I think that's what we have as a business. We don't really have a strict hierarchy, but we have support mechanisms. So ultimately, you know, if you want someone to come in and you want expect them to perform and perform at a high level, you've got to support them to achieve that. Um, but we tend to sit as a team. We don't, it's not like we do it every single day because I'm not a massive fan of constant meetings and things like that. I like to have a meeting where there's an agenda, it's fixed and, and we, we know what we're going to do and then we deliver on it and we move on. But as a team, we will have open time where we'll talk as a team and things that will go all the way through. So for example, it could be, we're having a challenge with customer service. This product's getting returned or something along those lines. But actually, what happens when you sit down as a team without that hierarchy and you go, right, guys, why is that happening? Right. Could start right at the front end. It could be like the website, the, cust the, the descriptive on there is not quite right. Actually, then it goes further through. How is it being packaged, shipped? What are the instructions inside the manual? So now we're talking to the design side of it. Everybody's involved in that to, for one gain. The main focus goes back to what we just said earlier is that then we deliver the best possible customer experience. And we need yeah. all of us really in a flatline situation where every voice has the same, you know, carries the same weight. That's really important to me. Like certainly from a leadership point of view, there's, and certainly if we're looking to develop how we lead our people, there's a lot of coaching and, and you're touching on that when you're talking about the support there, we are essentially coaches. And I know when I've spoken to people about this in the past, because obviously the, his, the hospitality industry is traditionally it's every business or most businesses are structured in a hierarchical way. But like the, you're talking about this progress by not having that hierarchy, people have more ownership over the, the process, but there's still an element of having to make decisions and, and in a way tell people what you want them to do. But how do you approach that still from a point of, trying to coach them your your team in that direction or do you still have to return to, to the process of actually telling people that this is what you want 
I think what I generally do, and everybody hears this word constantly in our business, is standards. So I'm not the type of person who's going to scream and shout at people within our business. I just think that's wrong. Like I, I think that's that's not a place that I'd expect yeah. personally, and I don't expect it in a workspace or workplace. But what I do, and I'm unapologetic about, is I've got really high standards, yeah. and we must deliver on those standards. Now, if you're doing everything that you can to strive to achieve those standards, and you do, and you and you make mistakes, as we mentioned earlier. That's that's totally understandable. Like, you know, that's fair. Now, if you are not, you'll quickly get found out in our business, if I'm perfectly honest with you, because all of the team are extremely good at what they do. We've got a small team that perform exceptionally. And if you aren't respectful of the effort that they're putting in and you're letting something down, and, you know, and then when I say letting it down, I'm not saying that, you know, if, if you do something unintentionally, that's, you know, that's fair enough. But, you know, if, if you're doing things that are letting your team down, like it was a performance sport, then it would be said to you very openly and yeah. that you need to raise the game here. But it wouldn't be said in a team environment. That would be where you go to the coaching level, where you pull people out and you say, look, guys, or look, sorry, guys, but individually, this is what, we, you know, we, I think you need to work on this. What do you think about that? And try and have that dialogue because... It doesn't always end up positively as the truth. Sometimes they say, I just don't think I can do this. And actually, that's the best news for them. And it could be the best news for us as a business yeah. as well, because we didn't quite get it right in terms of our partnership with that employee. It is, it's, and it's a challenge when it gets to that point. And I think to a certain extent, when people are underperforming, and I know we sort of touched on how we deal with that in, in that last answer, but it actually makes it a little bit easier from a leadership point of view when we come to it from that point of view. Like you, you tell them, this is what we're seeing. How do you feel about it? It gives them a voice as well. They're able to tell their side of what they're experiencing, but also they can come up with the answers. 100%. I, I mean, that's kind of a deep dive inside yourself, isn't it? You look back and I mean, that, that's something I think is really important is reflection sometimes to work out whether you know it's somebody within my team, whether it's me as well, because we're all human, we don't get it right all the time. Like if I get it right, you know, fifty percent of the time I'll be elated. Um, but I do think it's about that reflection. I think some the only area where it shines through sometimes, which is the hardest one for me, is when you've got somebody who's really good at what they do, or could better actually better way of putting it. Sorry, it could be really good at what they do. And occasionally it shines through. It's a bit like football. I'm supporting Newcastle United. We've got a lot of players like that. Um, I wish they performed 100% of the time all the time, but they don't. And that's the hardest situation where you you know you know somebody could be brilliant, but they're not just they're just not dedicated enough in themselves. And that's really I find that quite sad actually. And I'd always want to try everything possible to get get that out of them, but sometimes it doesn't work. And it doesn't pan out and, and there's not much you can do beyond that coaching and trying to push them in the right direction. Um, and, you know, and it might just be timing. It might be in three years, four years, five years, they're different people in a different space because, you know, you don't know what's going on behind closed doors and things like that. So you can't judge too much. You can only do everything you can to help. Yeah, it is. You can only do so much. And we have to remind ourselves of that. And certainly hospitality, a lot of, 
there is a lot of churn in terms of staff generally. Um, and I know that's not the case for all businesses, but you do have these people that come through that we can only help so much as as leaders. They've got to bring themselves that last mile, you know, to get to those the standards like you're talking about that we expect as as a business. So we're going to leave that episode there for today. We're going to pick the rest of it up on Friday. But there's a load to think about there around how we structure our teams and how we get the input from those people. Now, the biggest thing for me is is what James said is about standards. And I know I talk a lot about values and certainly behaviors that come from values, but standards are what is expected of the organization and of individuals. One of the biggest problems that people come up against in business is when they're leading people that people don't know what your expectations are. And and James has demonstrated that really clearly there by having those standards that people in the organization fully understand are the level they need to be performing to. Then they've got a barometer. They can be compared to that at that point. And really when it comes to leading people, it's all about setting your expectation because that is what as long as you're making it clear to them they know what is expected of them you can then measure their actual performance against those expectations and you can identify whether is it someone who needs a bit more training do they need to have a different role even or an adapted role that can help them perform to their strengths or to perform better so certainly that the operation of a a non-hierarchy basically is is really part of and oh sorry the standards element is really part of how you police that because certainly from the outside looking in you could be thinking that actually how do you how does the chain of command work how do we get people to do what we need them to do but as james talked about in that episode it's about how are they measuring up to the standards and without doubt there's got to be an element of leadership still from there but it's not the traditional leadership in sense of control and power and influence that we expect from you know whether you've worked outside of hospitality before you know managers controlling their individuals and something that is actually in our industry still so yeah lots to think about there and i hope you really enjoyed it and please i hope you enjoy or going to join us again for our episode on friday the remainder of this chat with james because there's so many more great ideas certainly around barista and co social which i know you'll love to get into but anyway thanks for joining me on the cafe hustle and i'll see you next time now on the cafe hustle we don't just partner with anyone it's essential to me that we partner with people and businesses whose values are similar to ours and more importantly that their product brings value to you as a listener of the cafe hustle Now, one thing that particularly stood out to me about Rotocloud is that you can sign up for a 30-day free trial without having to enter your credit card details. No automatically sign you up if you forget to cancel it. It's a genuine free trial, and there aren't many of them about nowadays. So you have nothing to lose. Head over to thecafehustle.com forward slash Rotocloud to find out more information and start your free trial now.